Philippians 2, verse 12. Let's pray, huh? Ask the Lord to bless our time this morning. Lord, we are so grateful, so blessed, Lord, to be your children, to be a part of your family, to have the amazing promises that you've given us attached to our lives and um, Lord, you are faithful, you are um, reliable to, to keep your word, and so we can rest in your faithfulness this morning, and your work, the work of your spirit. God, within each one of us, your word says that you've begun that good work in us and that you're going to complete it. And so this morning is no different, Lord. We need to hear from you, to have you touch our lives, to transform us. God, to change us, to fix us, to help, to heal. Bring those things into our lives that, God, we can't do. We can't do anything apart from you, Lord Jesus. And so we commit this time to you now. We commit our lives afresh to you for a fresh work of your spirit and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 So just by way of reminder, brief intro, remember the Apostle Paul um, had a great relationship with the church that he's writing to, the church of Philippi. He had been involved in the planting of that church, the pastoring of that church. And this was a church that had supported the Apostle Paul in ministry to further God's kingdom. And Paul was grateful for their support. And so um, this letter that Paul's writing, it is a thank you letter to the church of Philippi. But really, it's more than a thank you letter because Paul's also addressing a certain issue that was happening within the church, and we're going we're gonna to get to that, but the Apostle Paul has been making a plea for unity within the church, right? That, that we would be of one mind, one spirit, that we would be in one accord. The very thing that Jesus prayed for, right? That we would be one as he and the Father are one. And so Paul is, is really sending forth this plea of unity because... If there needs to be unity, there's a problem, isn't there? What's the opposite of unity? Discord or division? So we're going to find out there's two ladies in the church that have an issue um, with one another. And Paul is telling the church um, not only for all of them to get on the same page and make Jesus the most important thing in their lives, the gospel the most important thing in their lives, but also, listen, just get along. Listen, we're going to be spending eternity together, correct? So might as well start getting along right now. Oh, Paul's encouraging them to, 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 to lay aside the petty differences, the things that are not going to matter. Listen, the, the arguments that we have within the body, within our families, within our marriages, are they going to matter in heaven? They're not, are they? We are wasting precious time that God has given us right? It's, we're wasting time that is a gift from God that he's given us for, for better things, for eternal things, eternal purposes. And so this division or this, this, this little spat, this little fight, this little whatever it is, whatever the issue is um, that these gals are divided over, it has the potential to derail the entire work of God. That's, that's pretty important to take note of, isn't it? Is that... Because Paul is going to, the section where we may, depends upon how long this intro is, we may or may not get to the verse I want to get to. 
But, but Paul's going to be like, listen, I, I, my heart is that I haven't worked in vain or labored in vain with you guys. That, that what I've been involved in pouring into your lives, I love you guys, I've poured into your lives. But if this thing, if this thing doesn't get settled, that work is going to get derailed. It's going to wipe out. And that's amazing to consider that two people could derail an entire work of God. Well, think about the 12 spies that went into the promised land, right? They came back, they came back to, to camp, and 10, 10 men influenced 2 to 3 million people, roughly, in a negative way, in unbelief and fear. That's heavy, man. And only two were men of faith and and desire to obey God and walk in, in trust and obedience. And so you can see a little leaven does truly leaven the whole lump. And so Paul gives this plea um, for unity, and it's in light of the greatest example of all time that we have of what Jesus did for us. You guys remember we looked at that last week, the amazing uh, that Jesus leaving heaven and coming here, Right to give his life for us, to come not to be served but to serve, and to give his life for ransom for many. And Paul said we are to have the same mind of Christ. We've been given the mind of Christ, but now we need to apply that in our lives to walk in the mind of Christ. And we learn, number one, it's making ourselves of no reputation. And we care so much about our reputation, don't we? About our names, about you know how people view us, putting forth a good self-image, an image before people, and it's like, listen, you take care of your character, God will take care of your reputation. You know what I'm saying? So Jesus made himself of no reputation. He came taking the form of a bond servant. Again, he came to serve, and not just that. Jesus, it says, humbled himself. He humbled himself, and that's throughout the scriptures, aren't we encouraged to do that? To humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will, what? He will lift you up. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so the example that we have, the mind of Christ, is walking in humility. Not thinking I'm, I'm hot stuff, or I'm so rad, or I'm so amazing. The Lord's the amazing one. And everything that I have, any good thing I have is because of him. All, all the mistakes are mine. Some of you will get that later. That's okay. Everything good we have is from him. All the mistakes are ours. <laughs> and so the last example was obedience. Jesus gave us the example of obedience. Submitted his will to the Father's will. Totally obedient to the Father's plan and what he was called to do, the, the ministry that he came to do. And the example for us is to walk in obedience, to trust and obey and to follow the Lord's example in this. And so therefore, look at verse 12, therefore, in light of what's been previously communicated, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation, and here's the how, with fear and trembling, for... It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's a pretty radical verse, isn't it? Any amens for that? It's God who works in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's amazing. So Paul says, in light of what I previously said to you, my beloved, Paul loves these precious people. He cares about them. When you care about someone, do you tell the truth to them? 
It's important to share the truth in love, isn't it? And so Paul shares the truth in love with them, and he says to them, listen, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, your lives have always been marked by obedience. And obedience is important, isn't it? Is obedience important this morning? Jesus said three times in John chapter 14, if you love me, obey my commandments. And John would later write, his commandments are not burdensome, right? Because he, 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 he leveled it down or he, he whittled it down to just two. Remember what Jesus said? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor, how? As yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You know what that means? The whole Bible is about loving God with everything we got and loving others as ourselves. It's that simple. And so the church here at Philippi, they're walking in love. They're, they're loving the Lord. They're loving others. There's a tangible, visible demonstration in their lives that they're obedient. And Paul says, he says, you were obedient when I was there. Look at verse 12. And now even more so, you need to obey that I'm not there. So obedience being the key. And then he says, work out your own salvation with what? What did your Bible say? With fear and trembling. So just to kind of like, before we get into this, it doesn't say work for your salvation. Can you earn salvation? Can you work for it? Can you be good enough? No way. Remember what we learned in Ephesians? You guys know this verse. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. What's it say? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it's, not a, it's a free gift that we receive, correct? It's by grace. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's the Lord who has done the work for us. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, right? Our sin debt paid in full. And now we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. How glorious we are saved. (laughs) We are rescued. We have salvation. And so now though, look what he says. He says, work out your own salvation. It's interesting that word in the Greek, work out It speaks of, in ancient Greek, of a mathematics problem being worked out all the way to finish it, or to to work a mine, or to work a field like a farmer does. And so listen, if you are a miner or a farm worker, how how, how far do you get if you don't work hard? You don't get anywhere. That is correct. Anybody here work out at all? Anybody used to work out? You guys work, you know what I'm talking about, working out? If you're going to work out, you can't just lay on the couch drinking Red Bulls and eating Kit Kats and watching YouTube, correct? We're all on the same page with that. You need to be active. You need to be moving. You need to do something. Listen, can I encourage us this morning? Salvation involves work. You are called with a job to do. And salvation refers to a process of doing life in connection with God. Salvation is not just a door you enter into, but it is a path that you are on. Jesus said, follow me to deny ourselves, deny ourselves to take up our cross bi-monthly, how much? Daily, death to the self, denial of the self, that whole self-life is junk. It's what keeps us from following Jesus, selfishness, self-absorbed life. 
right? Death to that. And we follow Jesus. That is the best part. And so work out. Immerse yourself in the work, in your work, that process. And our, listen, our spiritual growth depends upon our actively being involved in, which, in which that which God wants us to be this morning. And notice, please, what it says, work out your own salvation, not someone else's salvation. Did you guys notice that? It's your own salvation. Because sometimes we can try to do that, can't we? We can try to work someone over about their salvation. No, listen, um, you need to be concerned about yourself. (laughs) Number one, work out your own salvation. And so put real effort into your Christian life. I got to spend time with a precious friend this week, encouraging him in his walk with the Lord. And we were talking about spending time reading our Bibles and praying. And I encouraged him and asked him, where would you be spiritually if you spent every day just a half an hour reading your Bible and praying? Where would you be a year from now? Where do you think you'd be a year from now? Investing, working hard, even when I don't feel like it, spending time digging into the Word of God, digging deep. Where would you be a year from now? Think about where you'd be a year from now. And listen, we all have 24 hours a day, don't we? Does everybody have 24 hours a day? We do, correct? We work, we we sleep, we eat, and then we whittle that away, and now we have our discretionary time. Do you know what I mean by discretionary time? You can do with that time whatever you please. It's your choice. And so the encouragement for us as believers is to work out what the Lord has worked into us, to put in effort into our Christian life. Listen, lazy Christians don't get very far. Do you know what I'm talking about? Correct? We have to put in the time. And you can go as deep as you want. You can go as deep as you want with the Lord. Or you can stay as shallow as you want with the Lord. The Lord's not going to twist your arm, but we are encouraged here to immerse ourselves. God has worked salvation into you. It's our job now to bring it out. We are to put on display the salvation that God has put in us. God works a miracle. He revs up the engine, but it's our job to put it in drive. Does that make sense? We just read about the mind of Christ. He put the mind of Christ in us, but it's our job to adopt and apply the mind of Christ in our lives. Are you with me yet? Does that make sense, you guys? Hopefully. Let me me put it another way. Romans 5.5, God has shed his love abroad in our hearts. He's poured out his love into our hearts. Are you with me? It It doesn't say God took an eyedropper and gave you a couple... Is that what it does? Little click clicks? little pinch-pinch into your heart with love. He shed it abroad into our hearts and lives. Why? So that it would go back to him, yeah, for sure, to praise him, to thank him, to love him. We love him because he first loved us, but also that our love would be flowing in this direction, towards others, that nothing would obstruct the flow of that love being, being worked out in our lives. He's poured in. Now it's time for us to do what? To pour out. Thank you. And so... It takes obedience to do that. We're to take what's inside and make it a reality on the outside. But notice what it says with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Does that mean like a little... You guys ever seen a chihuahua? You guys ever seen... Anybody seen... Is that what he looks like, sort of? They tremble, don't they? Even when they're happy, they're just kind of... Is that what we're talking about here? We should walk around like... Is that what it's saying? Fear and trembling? Is that... 
Doesn't mean that, does it? I, I, personally, I think when, when we read fear, it means to have a, a reverent sense of awe of God. It's, it's the, the thing that is lacking from our nation right now. Listen, it's lacking in the church, sadly. It's lacking in our lives. Is having a, a, a respect, not playing fast and loose with God's word, with monkeying with the word of God, with paying lip service to the word of God, is having a respect and honor that God's name would be hallowed. We pray that, don't we? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that God's name would be hallowed, revered. You know, is that happening in our lives? And so I think that's what he's talking about here. And man, for me personally reading this, it's a fear of failing to work out what God's worked in. It's a fear of falling short of all that God has for me. And it's a fear for you guys that I have for you that you would fall short of what God has for your life. That as a pastor, I want to see all that God has for you to accomplish in you. Like Paul would say later in this, in this chapter, I don't want my work to be in vain. I don't want to run in vain my relationship with the Lord day by day to be, nor the work, the labor of love be in vain for those people I care about. And so the encouragement is to the church here to do, keep being a doer of God's word. Our part is to trust and obey, to trust and obey his word. And guess what happens when we do? Joy is connected to that. Jesus said it. I didn't say it. He said it in John chapter 15. When we obey his commandments, when we walk in that, that's where we experience the fullness of joy, is obeying the Lord. And so maybe you're sitting here going, well, wait a minute, Mike. His commandments are tough. And you know what I would say to you? Amen. They sure are. But here's the deal. We don't work alone. Look at the next verse. Isn't that good news this morning? The Lord's not, Lord's not like, hey, go do, do this. Work it out with you know, fear and trembling. Go for it, dude. It's like, no, look, look at, the, look at the, the blessing. Look what it says, verse 13. For it is God, God Almighty, who does what? Who works, where? In you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Can I get an amen up in here? I mean, come on, is that good? It's God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You know God's working in you? We learned in chapter 1, verse 6, God has begun a good work in you, and he's going to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That's good news. But also, it's a work from within because he's in us. Do you know that this morning? A miracle happened when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Can I just remind you a miracle happened? God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit came and took residence in you, in your heart and in your life. Wherever you go, there goes the Holy of Holies. God chose the closest possible place to be, and where did he choose to be? In you. You know what tells me? He's not grossed out by you that he loves you and me, that he cares about us. He, and when he moved in, when he came and took residence in you, in your heart and in your life, you know what he brought with him? All his stuff. All of his power, all of his strength, all of his wisdom. 
everything. He's given you and I everything necessary, everything we need, please listen, to be successful in what he's called us to do and called us to be. It's beautiful. Jesus spoke to his disciples about this, didn't he? Remember in in the Gospel of John? He said to his guys, listen, I, I have to leave. I know you're bummed. I told you I'm leaving. I know you're bummed, but I have to go. Unless I go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to go, and when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you to be your helper, to be your comforter, to be the one to give you what you need to lead you and guide you into all truth. That's glorious. Another helper just like me is what he was saying, communicating to his disciples. So it tells me that God supplies everything we need We are to work out our salvation while he works in us, you guys. The Lord comes inside of us and helps us. Do you know the greatest Christian that ever lived is living in your heart? To help you. Do you guys know that? I'm seeing some blank stares. Can I illustrate? Can I illustrate this morning? Yeah, good. Okay. My favorite baseball player growing up was George Brett. Anybody remember George Brett, Kansas City Royals? I tried to look just like him. Haircut, I had hair parted down the center, feathered back, long. When I got pictures of him, I tried to dress like him. But more importantly, I tried to hit like him in baseball. I tried to hit just like I wore my socks up high like he did. Tried to imitate everything about him, but you know what? I didn't hit like George Brett. You know who I hit like? Mike Robertson. <laughs> But, but here's the thing, if George Brett could come inside of me and do it through me, I would hit just like who? Like George Brett. Listen, the greatest Christian that ever lived has come into your heart to help you to live out the life that he not only modeled for us, but calls us to walk in as well. Does that make sense? You guys with me now? Be together on this? So beautiful. God's job is to what? To work in us, to will, to give us the desire. Those desire. Listen, before we got saved, those desires weren't there, were they? Did you love anybody but yourself? This is church. You can be honest in church, hopefully. We didn't love anybody but ourselves before we got saved. Before we gave our lives to the Lord, supremely concerned about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity what I'm going to get, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do to this person, what I'm going to do over here, what I'm going to get is all about me. But then you get saved and something changes, doesn't it? There's a change. If you're born again, there's a change. Are you with me? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If there's been no change in your life, let me just challenge you this morning. If there's been no change in your life at all, then there hasn't been a change. If there hasn't been a change, then there hasn't been a change. And it's time to surrender to Jesus fully and completely, to give it all to him. And it's so beautiful. It's pictured this whole deal about God working in us both to will and to do. And our job is to do what? Is to trust and obey. There's a beautiful picture of this in the Gospels. There was a man with a withered hand. You remember that? man with a withered hand came to church. Do you guys remember that? You do? Isn't that awesome? He was at church. 
he's, got, he's crippled, he's handicapped, special needs, whatever, whatever name we want to attach to him. He's at church. He's not at home griping and complaining about his condition. He's not at home. I'm, I'm not bragging on people at home. <laughs> but he's at church, and he's pro- maybe he was even lifting up the one good hand he had to the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And who was at church that day? Jesus, do you know church, when we gather church, he's always right here with us with the power to heal? Maybe it's not a withered hand. Maybe it's a withered heart this morning. Maybe you've come in here with a withered heart, a withered area of your life. Do you know the Lord wants to heal you this morning? Whatever it is, you've come to the right place. You've come on the right time. And so Jesus called the man forward, right? You guys remember that? He said, come out in front of everybody. And when you're special needs, you don't want people, you already have people looking at you funny, wondering what's up. But he calls them out in front of everybody, especially the religious dudes that were there frowning, right? Is he going to heal on the Sabbath? And remember what Jesus said? Lift up your hand. He didn't say, I can't. I was born this way. He didn't say, I can't. Someone made me this way. Someone hurt me, and now I'm in this condition. Did he? Did he say anything like that? I can't because I'm paralyzed. Why are you picking on a crippled dude? Did he, he didn't say that, did he? What does it say? It says he lifted it up, and when he did, it was made as whole as the other. You see, when he was willing to obey the words of Jesus, that's when he experienced the healing and the help and the strength that he needed. When are you going to experience his strength, his healing, his help? It's when you say, I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to choose to forgive this person. I'm going to choose to serve rather than be served. I'm going to step out in faith like Peter did out of the boat. You guys remember when he stepped out of the boat? That's a perfect example of this too. He, stepped, he was the only one to get out of the boat, by the way. And he walked on water. And he was, remember, he was cruising. And he said, it's interesting, he said to Jesus, command me to come to you. And what did the Lord say? Come on, let's go. The Lord commanded him to come out, and, G- and Peter took that step out. But then what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus, beginning to sink. Not sunk, it says beginning. Go back and look at it. Beginning to sink. Jesus, shortest prayer in the Bible. Help! Right? Jesus, Jesus, respond, Jesus responds to that prayer, but then he, then he asked him, Where, you know, what happened? Where's your faith? You were trusting, you were obeying, you were walking in that. And this morning, what's the Lord asking you and I to do? To walk in. Are you trusting in him? Are you trusting in his plan? You know he has a plan for you. He's at work in you. Now look at the next verse. Do all things without complaining and disputing. We can skip that. We had that dialed in, don't we? Yeah, we do. No, maybe. Look at, look at what he says here. Do all, how much is all? Do all things without complaining and, some of your Bibles may say arguing. Why? That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault 
in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Do all things, everything you do, all things do without complaining. I looked up complaining. You guys know what complaining means? You guys know what complaining means? What does it mean? Complaining. (laughs) It means to murmur. So check this out. It means to murmur, to make a fuss, to raise a stink, to bellyache, to gripe to be critical, to be fault-finding. And listen to this definition I found. This is so cool. Bubbling discontent that spews forth negativity. That's pretty accurate, isn't it? You express your dissatisfaction or annoyance with your current state or affairs or circumstances. Disputing. Listen, disputing not only means arguing, quarreling, but it also means questioning God, calling God into question, challenging him. So grumbling and complaining, why do we do those things? Why why do we grumble? Why do we complain? Why do we argue? Do you know why? Thank you. We're thoroughly selfish. Why do we complain? We don't get things our way. And when we do get things our way, what do we do? We start complaining again. Oh, why did it have to happen this way? That's what I wanted, but why do we argue? Think about that. Why do we argue? Just take, take a, we want to prove that we are right and the other person is wrong. It's pride. It's selfishness. Do you ever see Jesus in the Gospels complaining or arguing? Oh, falafel again? Are you kidding me? This hummus, it's the spicy hummus. Why can we not get... We don't see that in Jesus, do we? Correct? How about, how about arguing? Who, who did most of the arguing? Thank you. What was their, what was their favorite argument? Who's going to be the greatest? Thank you. Listen, um, we, it looks nothing like, when we complain and argue, it looks nothing like Jesus. Are you with me? When we complain and argue, it keeps us from working out our salvation with fear and trembling. When we complain and argue, it keeps us from joy. When we complain and argue, guess what happens? Love is blocked in our lives. When we complain and argue, you know what else happens? It damages those around us. It's toxic. It hurts others that are listening. Listen, if God is working according to his plan, then you know what? We need to stop questioning him. Do you trust God that he's good? Do you trust him that he's righteous? Everything he does is right on. Do you trust him this morning? That's like maybe half the room. Do you guys trust that he's right on in everything he does? Is he working all things together for good for those who love him? 
then what do we have to worry about? Nothing. Well, I, Pastor, I never question God. Listen, if you complain about anything, you're questioning God. Did you know that this morning? How can you say that, Pastor? The children of Israel. Remember the children of Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness? Remember what they grumbled, they murmured and complained about? Man, manna in the morning, manna at noontime, manna when the sun goes down. Manna cotty, manna bread. What's with all this manna? Right? Isn't that what they did? Remember what it was like in Egypt? Oh, it was club med. The leeks, the onions, the whips on our backs. <laughs> like, like, really? But doesn't that happen? And it says in the Psalms, I can't remember if it was Psalm 106 or 160, my... I'm getting old. Maybe it wasn't even there. It says, the children of Israel murmured in their tents. So not only in front of everybody, they also went home, right? And they murmured in their house with their kids around. Are you tracking with me? Because we can do that, can't we? Oh, that pastor. Dumb illustrations. Could he use, like, real English? What's the matter with him? And we have what? We have pastor. Tacos al pastor. We, we serve him up. Not here. I just hear about it from different churches and stuff. But we, complain, we do complain. The music's too loud. The music's not loud enough. It's too hot. It's too cold. Why doesn't anybody ask me to do Well, how come no one asks me to teach? Well, listen, when the, we get raptured, you got the church. What? Some of you get that later. It's totally cool. It's, you'll be thinking about that. That's a joke, by the way. It's a joke. But it, it's interesting when, when the children of Israel were murmuring and complaining, Moses said, your complaint is not against us. It's against God. It's about God. And God would later say, your murmuring and complaining... Is against me. And, and here's the thing about fear and trembling, working out what God has worked in to our hearts and lives, having no fear of God before our eyes. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, I think it's like verse 10, Paul warned the church about murmuring, the seriousness of it. And what he warned them about was it brought destruction into their lives. And you know what? It may not be physical destruction. It'll be destruction of your testimony. It'll be destruction of your witness and the witness of our God, of who he is. Listen, God has been nothing but good to you and me. He's been nothing but faithful to us. No matter what difficulty we've gone through, no matter what we're going to go through, he is with us, he's going to see us to the other side, and ultimately the best is yet to come when we pass through the veil into eternity because of what Jesus did for us. We're not going to hell. We are going to heaven. And he is working all things together for good in your life and in my life. Dearly loved ones, please don't forget that. 
Grumbling and complaining and arguing brings damage to you and to others. And so that's the warning. And Paul's saying this, and, and he's saying, listen, it comes in all shapes and for- forms. Without Do everything without complaining and disputing. And by the way, when you are tempted to complain or gripe out in the world too, you can turn it around, can't you? Can you turn around to the glory of God? Tomorrow at, I don't know where you guys shop, or this week, H-E-B, someone breaks out a checkbook in line. They're still using checks? What's well, a matter? Are they some kind of hillbilly? <laughs> right? And the lines get like getting deeper and deeper. Can you turn that around? Do you know that someone else wrote something for you? 66 love letters called the Bible. Did you know that? Boom. Oh, it's so hot in Texas. So humid. Can't believe it. It's hot again. Every day that ends in Y is hot. You know, you can turn that around to the glory of God. Do you know that? Can you turn around for the glory of God? Do you know there's someplace that's hotter and that what Jesus did to rescue you? Listen, if you are working out your salvation with fear and trembling, you're ready. You're prepared to help people get focused on the truth and sharing the truth in love with them rather than joining in throwing your two cents in, giving ear to that sin and partaking in that sin with those people or putting up your dukes to fight with them. How about, swinging, how about being a peacemaker, swinging it around to bring glory and honor to the Lord? It's God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. And what begins to happen? Look what it says. That you may become what? Blameless. What does blameless mean? Simply, without blame. No one can point the finger at you. Man, did you hear that guy? He's a Christian. All he does is bellyache. All he does is gripe and complain. Who wants to serve a God like that? All he does is pick fights with people and argue. Because you've moved away from the gospel. You've moved away from following Jesus closely. That you may become blameless. Nobody can point the finger at you. Harmless means without harm. You're not toxic. You're not hurting people. You're harmless. A child of God, you bear a strong family resemblance to our Heavenly Father. And then it says without what? Without fault. Without fault. No one can pick holes in you. No one can be critical of you. Like Daniel. Remember Daniel? Before he got thrown in the lion's den, all his co-workers were all ticked off at him, weren't they? But they couldn't find, because they were jealous, they couldn't find anything to criticize Daniel about because he was faithful, it says. He lived an upright life before the Lord and before men. And so when we're doing that, and this is without grumbling and complaining. Beautiful, isn't it? Harmless. Where are we? In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Isn't that the truth? You look at how cro- we're getting more and more crooked, calling good evil and evil good. Perverse, how much perverse stuff is out there, the perversity that's running rampant. 
And, and there's a lot of murmuring and complaining, isn't there? When you go to work, go to school, what are you going to hear about? Murmuring and complaining. Or just wait till tomorrow. You guys start school tomorrow? No more sleeping in, staying up late? You're getting, hey. Right? And now you have the opportunity to flip that thing around. Because you're in, the, you're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And notice what else it says there. It says, among whom? This is not going out to a Christian commune and living there away from the rest of the world. Man, the world's getting awful. We need to go buy a ranch and go live out there with the wacko from Waco. <laughs> you know? You know what I'm talking about? It's not insulation and isolation. How are we going to be light and salt if we're insulated and isolated? Among whom you shine as lights in, a, in the world. It's, a dar- it's getting darker and darker. But you stand out. When you're not grumbling and complaining and I'm not, that stands out, doesn't it? You stick out big time. There's something. You're tapped into something. I don't know what it is. I want to know. What do you got going on in your life? Are you a Christian? Do you ever ask people like that? Just to stir up the pot with them? Get a waitress that treats you nicely? You must be a Christian. No, you should be one. Listen, when you do life without grumbling and complaining, you stand out. When you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling, you stand out. And so, man, so, so good. Look what he says. So that we would become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So we shine, right, for the Lord. And something else here, holding fast the word of life. What does it mean to hold fast? Don't let go. You're holding on hard. You're clinging to something. What's what's the word of life? It's this right here. Are you holding fast? Are you cherishing your Bible? Is this the most important influence in your life this morning? Is this what is fashioning your life, the word of God? Are you letting something else, influencers influence you? Or the world. We're no longer to be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Paul says, in light of all that God has done for you, my brethren, I beg you by the mercies of God that you offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In light of all that God has done for you, what's the reasonable response? Is to say, Lord, here's my life. I surrender to you. Just like Paul says in these verses right here, I've I've given myself as an offering, as as a drink offering. I've poured out my entire life for you guys. I'm getting ready to die, but I'm okay with that because I'm ready to go home. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I just want you to be blessed. I'm laying down my life for you. That's Jesus-style ministry, guys. That's Jesus-style life. Are you with me? Holding fast or holding forth the word of life. Holding fast also means holding out. So you shine not only with your life, so the negative is... do. Don't do anything with grumbling or complaining or arguing. That's the negative. The positive is holding fast the word or holding forth the word, sharing 
So we shine not only with our lives, but with our lips. We introduce people to the light of the world. We share with them. We turn around that grumbling and complaining and use it for an opportunity to build a bridge to someone to help them come to know the Lord. And so Paul finishes here, because I'm out of time already. I can't believe it. He's like, at the end, I want to celebrate with you in the day of Christ when we see Jesus face to face, or the rapture, that's what he's talking about. Do you know that Jesus is coming? Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Any minute, we need to be ready. Because once the clock expires, there's no second chances, gang. And I, I think I said this last week, you know, it's like we want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I forgot to add the end part of that. And then he's going to say what? Enter into the joy of the Lord. Oh, there's joy we get to experience now. That's God's will for our lives. First John, we're told, chapter 1. Fullness of joy right now. But again, guys, the best is yet to come. The joy of heaven. When all of our dreams, our aspirations come true, there's no more pain, no more suffering. Brand new bodies fitted for all eternity, living with our Lord. That's, the, that's like reality therapy this morning. That's where we're headed. It's not only our destination, but it needs to be our motivation too. That we are working out our salvation, what he's worked in. Working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It makes him real happy to help you, by the way. It makes him real happy as we walk with him. He's not hard to please. He just wants us to trust him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. We trust him, we obey him, and watch what he does. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for this amazing passage and um, where you have us in Scripture. We recognize and realize it's, it's never an accident. I thank you for how you've ministered to our hearts this morning through your word. And God, I just pray for my brothers and sisters that... Um, as they take away the things that have come from your heart, that we would be um, a people, a church, a family that is not just hearers of the word, Lord, but we would be doers. Just as Paul wrote that the word of God works effectively in those who believe. And so we want to receive and believe this morning to take those steps of faith, and to experience your strength, your wisdom, to experience your grace in a special way. So thank you, Lord, for that.